As a next-generation benefit advisor, how do you make certain that you're matching your sales strategies and deliverables to the four types of employers so that you can ensure continued success for your practice? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of Shift Shapers is sponsored by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions for benefit advisors. Local, regional, and national advisors rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects. For more information, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. For this episode of the program, we're very excited to have invited Eric Wrench. Eric is founder and CEO of Code64, and they undertook a fascinating study of some of the new market realities that benefit advisors are facing. We've talked in previous podcasts about different pieces of technology, different tools that all of you can use in your practices. This is kind of a theoretical piece that ought to precede how you decide to implement tools. And that's where Eric and his company have given a tremendous amount of thought. So we invited Eric to share more about that study and about what they've learned with us. With that, welcome. Thank you so much, David. It's great to be here. Now, Eric, you come from a kind of diverse industry background, don't you? I do. I do. So I was a consultant and uh, benefits advisor at one of the national consulting houses at the start of my career and spent majority of time there working with middle market employers. From there, I went over to the dark side, worked for a carrier for a little while. And uh, that was right around the time that healthcare reform was taking effect. So I saw the need for Code 6.4 and we started the organization in 2013, in the beginning of 2013. So we're coming up on two years. That brings us up to where we are today. And your focus and the focus of the study, and by the way, we'll be making a link available on the Shift Shapers website so that listeners can get a copy of the study and kind of dig into more detail. Obviously, we can only cover so much in the 20 or so minutes that we have today. But your focus was on what you called next-generation benefit advisors, and it began with a research study. Can you talk a little bit about, before we get into the findings, a little bit about the methodology, how you went about doing that? Yeah. Uh, you know, we were very diligent about gathering the data in a structured manner, wanted it to obviously be very reliable because we were, you know, making a big bet with our company on the findings from this study. So we surveyed just over 600 employers directly, and then we also surveyed roughly 1,100 benefits advisors, brokers, we kind of took those two data sets and worked with a professor at a university here in the Chicagoland area where we're based and uh, put really some hard number crunching to the findings that we prepared in the study. And in exploring that new era of group benefit design, I mean, that's, that's the phrase that jumped out at me. What does that mean? Well, so it's interesting. I mean, having been in the industry for quite some time, you know, I can tell you that things have evolved exponentially in the last 10 years, even more than they 
had the previous 10 years before that. And that's not to say that there hasn't always been change. You know, the age-old expression is that it's always a constant. But what we've got going on now is the most invasive piece of regulation since, you know, the uh, ERISA was established at the beginning and a new era of technology that's really opening up a whole lot of new opportunities for the way benefits can be designed. You couple that with rising cost of healthcare, then you've got organizations, HR directors, presidents, owners of companies, really looking at a variety of different options. And when you get down to it, it's complicated. It's more complicated than it's ever been in the past. So that new era of group benefits design that we see is a very unique opportunity for advisors to develop custom solutions because there's so many different, I like to say there's way more tools in the tool shed now than there were a number of years ago. So there's a lot of room to uh, get creative with that, but it also requires a lot more practice because you got to learn all those new tools. Well, sure. And it's interesting because a lot of times when benefit advisors, and I, I used to do this in my practice when I was retailing as well, so I'm, I know I'm guilty of this as well, is we don't always begin at the beginning. I, I know that sounds kind of simplistic and kind of, well, duh, where else would you start? But a lot of times we start working because that's where the industry's been so long from the middle out, whether it's from a product out or from some other end result out. And what you did in the study, I thought, was really, really sensible. You started by identifying the market a little bit and you broke that market into four types of employer groups as a key. What did you find? What, what are those four groups and how do they differ from one another? Yeah, so this was a really important element to the study because we were able to really understand who benefits advisors are serving. And that was important to us because as we work with benefit advisors, you know, we need to appreciate their client first and foremost in order to assist them in engaging that client. Uh, What we found with these four types of benefit buyers is that they have very distinct styles and approaches to the way they respond to all of those different tools, right? So everything that I was describing earlier, you know, some tangible examples of the tools in the tool shed would be things like benefits administration platforms, uh, unique packaging and underwriting of voluntary products, the financial vehicles that you can use to finance health insurance from fully insured platforms, partially self-funded plans to fully self-funded plans. You know, the availability of stop-loss products is becoming more common for smaller groups, designing the right eligibility criteria to kind of reflect your culture. There's a whole lot of complexity there. And what we did was we actually asked clients, that would be employers, what they think about each of those different options. And then we peppered in some questions about healthcare reform and, you know, where they're at in their compliance process and kind of what they're doing. And we actually had a couple of trick questions in there, you know, asking them things that were actually not applicable to them. But we wanted to see whether they knew about them. And some employers just didn't because, you know, they're not spending all day thinking about this kind of stuff. And others did. So those four types of benefit buyers became a very clear distinction. You've got what we call aggressive adopters. And then there's status quo. And then there's by the book. And then there's indifferent. And these are buyers of health and benefits at a company. And they all respond very differently. And the way you should be working with them varies according to their culture. And really what we did, you know, in a nutshell, David, it was proving consultative selling through research, right? I mean, it it sounds very intuitive when you hear about it, but we actually put numbers behind it that said, 
if you're able to understand these audiences in this very specific way, you can perform better and you know close deals faster, understand, get decisions sooner uh, because you're relating to their environment and the way they want to make decisions about this topic. And so the, the most prevalent of those four types was which? The most prevalent of those four, unsurprisingly, was the status quo buyer. So these are you know the industry stakeholders that want to sort of take their time. They're very cost sensitive. They'll respond less sort of excitedly about industry trends like private exchanges or you know the emergence of new products. Some carriers are launching their own wellness programs. They have been for the last five years, and these would be the companies sort of less likely to adopt those, you know, quicker than others. That was the most common. And the next segment was the buy the book folks. Yeah, that's exactly right. And these are the individuals that within the HR department probably have a law degree or they they come from a law background and their first foot forward is with a risk-oriented mindset. They don't look at benefits as a asset to the company to help, you know, recruit and train and grow their human capital. It's more of an obligation because it's common in the industry and so they need to be on par. But from a management standpoint, they're more focused on the risk and the liability of the entity. So for example, for that type of buyer, you know, a very strong sales tactic would be opening the conversation about summary plan documents and required notifications and ACA compliance because that's what's on their mind. And then almost equally split were the indifferent buyers and then the aggressive adopters. So the indifferent buyers would be those that are often found at smaller organizations and they're much more cost sensitive. Uh, They may not have budget to even offer any benefits. Some of our survey respondents didn't have any benefit programs today. They're also more inclined to discontinue their benefits program. Now, this is a point-in-time study, but what we still found was at this point in time, there is a subset of the market that's interested in having a conversation about you know, whether it makes sense to keep offering benefits uh, when you've got a more robust individual marketplace. The aggressive adopters are basically the opposite end of that spectrum. You know, they're much more focused on their talent strategy you know, benefits are an important component to them. They're more likely to have a wellness program in place. They're more of a career benefits professional. And uh, so they're, they're more often found at larger organizations because those often have, you know, a little more budget for them to do some of these innovative programs. And, uh, you know, I, I like to say that to a benefits advisor, that's usually their favorite client. You know, they're the ones that they get to do the most creative things with and uh, and their client is also has the highest expectations because they're generally more on top of kind of trends in the industry. Well, it's interesting because your findings kind of almost exactly mirror some of the findings that Jeff Moore found when he was talking about the diffusion of innovation in terms of selling innovative and groundbreaking software products. So the markets are the markets, and it's interesting that they're very similar. But the approach from health and benefits brokers has to be a little bit different. How are they responding, and what kind of tools do they need? So... The key finding that we had, and this is the, the really the most important takeaway to the study, you know, everything before this is really interesting sort of academically and it can help in a sales context, but the important takeaway for us is that benefits agencies need to be multidisciplinary in the health and benefits realm. There's actually six areas of capability that we believe the next generation benefits advisor needs in order to be successful. Without going into too much depth about each of those, the six areas would be 
Traditional brokerage services is kind of its own category. That's plan design and risk management of health and benefits. The second would be benefits communication and marketing. That's the you know enrollment and the employee-facing aspect of it. The third would be health management and wellness strategies. This is a capability that agencies need in-house in order to service those sectors of the market that are interested in controlling healthcare costs and increasing the responsibility of their employees. The fourth would be HR administration and technology. You know, the, the most hot topic right now in the industry on that particular subject is um, ACA hours tracking and, you know, how do we get a payroll administration system in place that can help minimize that compliance burden. Um, that's a topic that a benefits advisor could absolutely be using in a discussion with a client uh, to elevate their role as trusted advisor. And the fifth would be legal and compliance expertise. Um, another example topic for that would be uh, you know, assessing future cost risk under the Cadillac tax just a short few years away. And it's an incredible burden for a lot of companies that they need to be aware of. And then the last category is HR and talent consulting. And this is you know broader area of opportunity. I know of an agency that we work with that has found a niche in a particular vertical market. And their HR and talent consulting practice provides recruiting and placement services. They're not a full-service recruiting firm, but they vet candidates. They do talent assessments for candidates. And um, they're able to assist that organization in growing their talent, not just talking about benefits. And that's actually become 40% of the revenues of this agency. So there's a clear market there that sometimes as insurance professionals, you know, we don't think that's available to us. Uh, but our client wants it. And they would love us to bring that to the table. And there's, there's plenty of fee-based revenue to be made there. Now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Are you wasting valuable time searching for qualified leads? The MyEdge prospecting solution makes it easy to research, find commissions, premiums, fees, and see all the current lines of coverage an employer is reporting. Why not use a targeted 5500 prospecting solution that was designed specifically for benefit advisors? MyEdge supplies the data that counts when you need to research prospects or learn what competitors are selling in your market. And learning to use MyEdge is fast and easy. When your prospecting data is accurate and with real-time updates, you'll spend less time researching and more time selling. To learn more about this innovative prospecting solution, visit our website at www.shiftshapersonline.com. One of the things, Eric, that I enjoyed reading through the study was that you pepper it with a group of different case studies. So it takes the study from kind of the theoretical, if you will, to the practical. Is there a, a particular case study that you think might be most instructive for our listeners as to how you take some of the, the findings that you guys learned and actually put them where the rubber meets the road, so to speak? Yeah, I think they're all good, of course. <laughs> uh, but the... Uh, you know, one, let's pick one of them that's most applicable to the broad set of the market, right? Those status quo buyers are the most common buyers you're going to meet. The case study that we looked at for that buyer segment is we gave this sample sort of selling situation in our broker survey, and we asked different audiences how they engaged that client and whether they won the client or not. Not everybody won the client, obviously. And so those that engaged the status quo buyer 
with a very progressive, in this particular example, it was a situation where the benefits advisor brought in a strategy that was focused on defined contribution funding structure, implementing a private exchange to increase enrollment in the platform. And at the end of the day, the, the benefits director was just too hesitant. They, they weren't interested in you know, being the first person to really try out that new path, which is somewhat unfair to that portion of the market because it's not like there aren't people already doing that today. We've got a subset of the market that is using those platforms and they are adding a lot of value. But that wasn't the buyer's mentality. They weren't ready to go there. The benefits broker that was successful helped that benefits director organize their program into a strategic roadmap. And they actually put together a multi-year strategy and collaborated with the benefits director to decide the overall direction for the organization. And they were able to ease in changes and phase them in over time. And the you know real success they had there was obviously they were retained as the broker of record, but they also have a clear retention strategy in place because senior executives approved you know, a multi-year strategy that they're now going to assist implementing over the next several years. That was, a, I think, a good example of where two, I think, very thoughtful solutions that are great for the market don't always work the right way if they're not presented to the buyer in the most effective manner. And, I mean, would you say that maybe the, the key 10,000-foot takeaway from the entire study is that brokers need to spend some time, and maybe maybe most brokers, most advisors have not done this in the past, but they need to spend some time assessing what type of client they're dealing with. And then the same way that we were taught years ago to mirror body language and mirror speech patterns, they need to select a strategy from within how they present what they do that most closely mirrors the client's particular, if you will, learning style or buying style. That's exactly right. They need to really commit to that consultative model in a more thoughtful way. And if you're an agency manager or executive, it's about investing in training and programs to build out that capability on your team. The solution that we help solve that extends from that, once you make that commitment, which I think many successful advisors would readily do if they haven't already, you find that there is a challenge within your organization of taking these more thoughtful and sophisticated solutions and they drive up cost because they are time intensive to develop and it hurts agency profitability. So I've seen mid-sized independent brokerages go from a million a year in revenues to four million a year in revenues through a strategy like this but their margins go down precipitously because their costs are higher because each client they win takes more time. What Code64's technology solution helps address is that cost compression because we make the practice of identifying the type of client you're working with, bringing intellectual capital to the table, and efficiently consulting to them across what in reality, when I describe those six domain areas, they're incredibly complicated. I mean, there are experts in each of those fields. And a lot of national and regional brokerages, they have staff solely dedicated to each of those six areas. So you really need the efficiency of technology to help you bring all those to the table, which we've established your buyer wants. And being able to do that then efficiently helps you grow, but grow profitably. And, and grow in the most effective. That's way. true, wouldn't you say? Whether you, whether you do that within your own shop, if you have the scope and the resources to do that, or whether you do it by creating strategic partnerships. 
I would agree with you 100%. Yeah, there's the ability to collaborate with different partners in the market. I've seen smaller agencies working with third-party administrators that have, you know, great wellness solution offering that they've packaged up and you could use that to tackle, you know, one or two of those six boxes. There's an agency we work with that has a lot of expertise in that brokerage space, partnered with an actuary to bring expertise around the self-funding strategy portion of the market. So the point is not that you have to have it all as W-2 within your organization, right? It's that your client needs all six of those. And so you've got to be able to package your value proposition and your story in a way that helps meet all six. And that's key for a lot of our listeners because we know that they represent a pretty wide gamut of sole practitioners all the way to much larger practices. So in, sure. in the minute or so that we have left, Eric, where do you see the future? And I, you know, I know in, in our business right now, the future might be defined as next Thursday, but let's, you know, let's, <laughs> let, let's look at it in terms of maybe two years or three years down the road. How do you see this evolving Well, I think one thing is an easy answer, and that is that the role of the benefits advisor is not going away. There is more need for counsel and service than ever before, and there's folks having great success capitalizing on that need every day. So that is something that will not change in the next three years. There are going to be continued disruption in the market. When you just look at some of the key aspects of the regulatory environment, those are going to you know, impact our industry. We've got Cadillac tax in three years. Phase two of the employer mandate is next year. We've got community underwriting extending up to 100 lives starting the beginning of next year. That makes everything under 100 lives small group. I'm hearing insurance carriers in many, many states, not all 50, obviously, but in a variety of portions of the market talking about changing their commission structures again in response to that community underwriting change that is going to be a, another enormous factor. And then on the side, sort of our sister industry, the, the actual healthcare delivery side of things, is going through its own revolutions. Accountable care organizations and better coordinated care is leading to new ways for the insurance side of things to adapt to that. Really progressive advisors are connecting with care providers directly and working with insurance carriers to innovate around that. So I guess the takeaway, David, is that there's change isn't ever constant, kind of to bring us full circle. But I'm excited for what's coming next because I think that barring significant changes in the political environment, which can always happen, there's exciting things on the horizon. And um, like I said, the role of the advisor has never been more important. So we're just glad to be a part of that. Well, it's a a great place to leave today's conversation. Uh, Remind listeners that you can go to our website, www.shiftshapersonline.com and you can get a a copy of Eric's study. It's really fascinating. We've only scratched the surface of some of the findings. Eric Ranch, founder and CEO of Code64. Eric, thanks for sharing your expertise and for a really interesting discussion today. No, David, thank you so much for having me and I look forward to uh, talking again in the future. For more information about this episode or about any of our earlier episodes and to learn how to subscribe on iTunes so you never miss an episode, go to our website, shiftshapersonline.com. While you're on the site, leave a comment and register to be part of the Shapers community. You'll be the first to learn about upcoming specials like exclusive webinars and content you can use to take your business to the next level. Again, thanks for joining us for today's episode. And remember, you have the power to shape the shifts in your business.